All right, today, guys, this, this, this next statement is gonna bring about a collective mourning. Today is our last Sunday in 1 Samuel. I know how much this has meant to all of you. Um, I hope it has meant a lot to some of you at least. But it's our last day. We've been in 1 Samuel for 13 whole weeks. And when I wrote that down, it didn't feel that long. I was like, oh, we could have been here a lot longer. Um, When I first made out the series, I was like, man, we're in 1 Samuel for like the whole year. It wasn't. It's just 13 weeks. And so we're wrapping that all up. And I want you guys to know along the way, anyone that was impacted that that enjoyed 1 Samuel, if you heard Gentry or Cody or Luke or myself teach and you were like, how did they learn this stuff? What resources are they using? I just want you guys to know, we're an open book. And in fact, we would love to share uh, what we've used to help us read the Old Testament. There's some resources that we haven't even skimmed the surface of that just illuminate what makes the Old Testament really beautiful. Um, and it's a long endeavor, like journeying through the Old Testament, understanding the bigger picture of the Bible. So if, you're, if you want to go further, if you want to learn more, literally just come grab us. Hey, what resources should I have? Where should I start? We'd love to help you out. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. My hope today, if you're taking notes and you want to know what my hope for today is, is that we remember what we've learned so that we can apply important truths to our lives. That's the whole point of today. So we're going to talk, we're going to recap, we're going to remember our series in 1 Samuel. And my hope is that you can write down at least one thing that you're like, man, this has shaped how I think about God, how I think about humanity, how I want to live my life with God. Like just one, at least one takeaway. So we're going to spend a lot of time remembering 1 Samuel. But before we can do that, I need to recap for you how the book ends. All right, because we're not going to cover 27 through 31. I think that's the last chapter. We got all the way up to 26. So here's what you need to know. We ended last week. Actually, can someone tell me where did we end last week? What's happening at the very end of the teaching last week? Who's our main characters? And Saul, David, and Saul. The Christian muffle is happening right now. David, Paul, Paul. Just look at the ceiling. David and Saul, right? And we've got Saul who has really given in to rage, to jealousy, to anger. He's lost all control and he's showing it. Doesn't look good on him. He's trying to kill David over and over again. David cuts off a piece of his robe, takes his spear, shows him, you were in my hands, but I trust God to do the judging, all that stuff. Okay, Um, long story short, chapter 27, David is like, Saul's never gonna stop chasing me. He hides in a Philistine camp. Saul tries to force his way yet again. Um, He seeks out an evil spirit. That's in 28. Long story. Look at it. We can talk later. In chapter 29, Philistines kick David out of their camp. They're like, what are you doing here? You don't belong. He escapes. He gets in a few battles. And then Saul and Jonathan die in a war against the Philistines. And that's the end of the book. And when you get to the end, you're like, there's no way this is the end of the book. And truth be told, it probably isn't. First and second Samuel were at once... Samuel, but we've divided them up. So 1 Samuel ends kind of abruptly. And if you want to know what happens in the life of David, what he looks like as king, you're just going to have to keep reading in 2 Samuel. I don't think we're going to be there anytime soon. So just keep reading on in the story. Um, But for the rest of this morning, I want to spend time remembering. And it's going to be a heavy participation day. We're going to talk together as a big family. Eventually, we're going to break off into groups. And I want to remind us why we do that. Because in my head, maybe this isn't true, but anytime I tell you that we're going to do a group participation or a small group participation, in my head, everyone takes a collective deep breath 
and prepares themselves to participate and it's hard and it feels cringy or awkward. I wanna remind us, I don't just do that because I want us to be a family and like love talking to each other. I do really want that. But I'll never forget when I went to this little training event and I saw this poster with some information and I didn't fact check it. So who knows if this is true or not, but on that poster it said that you remember 30% of what you see in here versus 70% of what you discuss. So whenever I break open conversation and you feel that awkward silence and you have to choose whether or not to lean in and participate, um, I wanna encourage you, the more you participate, the better chance your brain has at literally remembering what we are talking about. So the rest is conversation. I'm gonna recap First Samuel. I'm gonna ask questions and you're gonna have the option to actively think about it answer internally, externally, or just like sweaty palms until the whole thing's over and you try not to participate at all. It's up to you. But the more you participate, the more you're gonna learn. Does that make sense? That's the heart behind this whole recap day, okay? All right. All right, let's see. All right, so first, let's see. We got our first question, first slide. Let's start with an easy, hopefully an easy one, maybe. What is First Samuel's literary style? What's the literary style? Someone tell me. Cody, um, and internally, you have two answers for the whole day. So if you want to use your one answer right now, you can, but I think this is too much of a softball for you. All right. Uh, what's the literary style? Someone tell me. Historical narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A story within a story, right? If you guys remember way back at the beginning of the series, we said the Bible is this like meta narrative. God is writing one huge cohesive story. First Samuel is historical narrative. Um, there's two other genres it could have been, poetry or discourse. Uh, this is historical narrative, okay? Um, really important we understand that. Remember we broke down what lenses to take off when you're reading 1 Samuel? Someone give me an example of like a Western lens that you might bring to 1 Samuel that you don't need to. What's an example of reading scripture through a Western lens? Yeah, it, Johanna said, what does this mean to me, right? Like what does this mean about me and my walk with God? Sometimes that question can be appropriate. But if every time you're going to a narrative going, what does this mean for me? Sometimes you're asking a question that the author never intended on you asking. And so you're gonna come up with answers that, that may be beneficial even. It may end up helping you, whatever answer you come up with, but you're missing the author's intent, right? I heard one more, someone was answering from over here. Hero, the hero villain, yeah. I'm already so proud. I really am. I'm so proud already. Um, the hero villain lens, right? So when you come to First Samuel, you're going, okay, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Who am I rooting for? Who am I rooting against? And I think if you come at it with that lens, you'll make enemies out of people you shouldn't and heroes out of people you shouldn't. I think you end up leaving, if you look at it fairly as the humans are kind of good at always messing it up on some level and God tends to be the one who's, is always the one who's perfect, right? Anyway, all right, cool, good job. All right, so to start out, we're gonna list character by character, and I'm just gonna ask, tell me about them, describe them, okay? And then what are you gonna remember about them for each character? We're gonna have a big room discussion, and then we're gonna break into small groups. You guys ready for the adventure? Stephen Curtis Chapman, this is the great adventure. No one? The 90s? Man, if y'all were born in the 2000s, you did not miss out but I love Stephen Curtis Chapman myself. Anyway, all right, all right, next thing, Hannah. Let's talk about Hannah. First, let's start by just describing who Hannah was. So we're gonna keep spreading it out. Someone give me an answer. Who was Hannah? Who was that person? 
All right, yeah, mom of Samuel. What else? What, what, is, what happens in 1 Samuel with Hannah? Barren. She's barren, okay. Let's keep building that story. She prays, prays for what? Son, okay. What happens? She gets a son, then what? She gives him back to the temple. You weren't even here for this. Wow, way to go. Bonus points to the third row. Uh, yeah, she gives him back. All right, let's talk, let's talk like, what about her character? What about her story sticks out to you? What do you admire about Hannah? What are some of the things that you're like, man, I'll remember Hannah for this. Like, we just told the facts. She's the mother of Samuel. She prays for a son. She was barren. She has a son. She gives a son back. But what are you going to respect about her? What are you going to leave with thinking about Hannah? Humble. Good. Trusting God with Samuel's purpose. Epic. Yeah. Her faith in God was not contingent on God answering the prayer. Dynamite. That's really good. Also, we're not looking for right answers, just like what happened in your own heart, too. So, you know, whatever. Anything else that you're going to remember about Hannah? Follow through on her commitment. That's so true, man. Like, she, it's one thing to be on the side where you don't have a son, and you're like, give me a son, and I promise you I'll give him back to you. I promise, I promise. But that's so easy until you have a son, and you're like, you know what, Lord, I'm pretty sure your will for my, she can like pull a King Saul very easily. Actually, I know your will. It's to keep the son. That's the will. Good point. You're right. Whoa. You're right. Yeah, because when you study into it, Tabitha, to further your point, I'm pretty sure the Nazarite vow, I'm pretty sure there's like an age that you start in the temple, and it's like 12 or so, it's older. But she brings Samuel, she like takes it further than even the standard of like giving your child to ministry. So yeah, it is. It's a really big sacrifice. Anything else? Hannah's iconic. If you, don't, if you start counting chapters in ratio of how much airtime does each character get, to me, I leave going, Hannah was a disproportionate amount of impact on my own brain. I left Samuel thinking about Hannah a lot, but really she's in it for a couple chapters, then she's out of here. But she was so important. It felt like she was so... Um, weighty in in her story. Um, All right, I have my own answers. Um, You pretty much covered them. Barren, desperate for a son. This is what I'm remembering most about her. uh, Intense prayer. Do you guys remember? She prayed so hard that that Eli thinks she's drunk because she's going so hard in the paint in her little prayer life. And to me, I'm like, that woman has prayed way before that day. Like anyone praying that intensely, she has a comfort level with being intensely honest with God that I really care about. I need that in my life. I need to know we can keep it real. Um, I remember her reverence, someone already spoke on this, but you got the feeling that she was going to revere God regardless of the outcome, and that is easier said than done. I really respect that about her. Um, Yeah, and then I wrote down also, she actually follows through. She commits Samuel. That took so much boldness. She understood who Samuel belonged to, and that's like a good parenting lesson, Um, but also (laughs) I'm imagining a very difficult one. Um, Our fathers can let us know. All right. All right, second character, Eli. Let's talk about Eli. Give me just the, the facts about Eli before we give the, the feelings about Eli. Who was Eli? He was a weak, disciplinary, messy father. 
He was a weak disciplinarian as a father that had some facts and some feelings, and all were accurate. <laughs> he was a low-down piece of... <laughs> I'll give you some facts. <laughs> what else, other than being a bad disciplinarian, which is 100% true? What else was he? Priest of the temple, yep. What else? Who was he to Samuel? Yeah, he raised Samuel. He, he mentored Samuel. Remember, Hannah has Samuel and then gives him up to the temple, um, and that temple had a person that really was in charge of mentoring, and that was, uh, that was Eli over Samuel. All right, what do we learn about Eli? What are some of our feelings other than the weak disciplinarian? Like, what, what, what's kind of his legacy for you? What are you going to remember about him? He literally taught Samuel how to hear the voice of God and that God was talking to him. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you think about Eli? What do you think? He's a complex character. Yeah, he's a complex character. That's where the hero villain thing would have gotten in our way because Eli's a villain. He really messes up. It's like, well, that's not fair, actually. He also doesn't, th- he raises Samuel and Samuel ends up being pretty solid way more solid than his own son. So it's, it is very complex, Will. I agree. What do you think? I feel like he gives enough hope. Like, he like, God's going to answer you. I don't know exactly what you said, but it almost sounded like he was promising her that she was going to be Yeah. And that, I mean, I don't know if you have the right to do that or not. Me neither. I guess that he had that knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right, here's what I got. Here's my answers. Um, actually, I have to read them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, obviously, I'm going to remember him for really mishandling his position. That's inevitably, that's what he did. Um, I think low-key, we have to give him a lot of credit for Israel not trusting religious leadership. What did I write? I see people laughing. Oh, yeah, he got super judged by God for ministry malfeasance. I mean, we can't deny that, right? At the end of the day, his sons and he dies. And it's a direct consequence. I mean, he gets a prophetic word around it. Like he dies because of how disrespectful he was with his position. He let his sons run amok, abuse their religious power. It was pretty bad. But at the same time, what Will mentioned, I think I will remember that he did raise Samuel. And Samuel, at the end of the day, does a killer job in his position. Um, But yeah, I do think at the end of the day, bad look for Eli for the most part though, because Israel is so tired of their leaders and Eli Eli just seems like a really important figure for that. He really messed up and I feel like he hurt the faith of Israel and their trust in religious leaders, which is a big bummer. So anyway, Eli, shout out. Thanks for raising Samuel. It's okay. All right, Samuel, who is Samuel? Before we get into how we feel about Samuel, what we're gonna remember, who is he? Someone that hasn't answered Step up to the plate. The final judge. Yeah, he plays this like hybrid role. It's like, is he a judge, a priest, a prophet? It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. We're losing some momentum. Someone's got to step up. Who was Samuel? The book was named after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he anointed the kings of Israel. 
Super important. The first kings ever. He was used by God to anoint the kings. He was often the voice for God, right? Telling the people, this is what God wants. This is what God doesn't want. Be cautious. Here's your warning. He was always the voice box, it seems like. What are you going to remember about Samuel? Yeah. No words from his mouth ever fell to the ground. In other words, whatever he spoke on behalf of the Lord came true. He was not a false prophet. He was, he was full of truth. It's pretty impressive. When you think about Eli, his predecessor, and just kind of how they fumbled the bag there, like Samuel actually did really well. I mean, he talks about he increased in wisdom, stature, and faith with God, and faith with man. So in, in that part of increasing with man and favor with man, where Great point. I, I, I never even thought about that. Like Eli had lost the trust of the people. Samuel increases. And it is clear they don't trust him enough to like believe his advice in chapter eight about like, do you want a king or not? But they definitely trust him because he always seems to have their ear. They trust him enough to at least gather together and listen to him when he's having his little town hall meetings, giving words from the Lord. It's a good point. Yeah, I wrote down, he's a prophet, judge, priest, all those things. I wrote down that none of his words fall to the ground. Um, I remember the faith-filled heritage that he got from his mama. I really, I can't think about Samuel without thinking about Hannah and just how connected those two are in their faithfulness. Um, and then I also was just like, man, I'm gonna remember that his job was terrible. He had a terrible job. He loved his people so much. He never wanted to abandon them. He was always the one saying the hard thing that no one wanted to hear. And he did it faithfully. Y'all, that is so hard. Samuel's unreal. He's so mad half the time. I swear half the time, I, I, it may not be in the text, but I swear he's grumbling and grieved on behalf of Israel like half his life. They're always making decisions that are bad. He always already told them what would happen and they do it anyway and then the bad happens and he's like so angry and then God's like, get over it. This has happened to me a million times. Get up, we got work to do. And I'm like, man, it's a hard job. <laughs> like that is thankless. And uh, man, Samuel deserves a lot of respect, man. He went through it. All right, Saul. Who is Saul? We'll start moving through these quicker. Stay engaged. Answer this for yourself if you're not answering out loud. I'm telling you this helps. First king, thank you, Johanna. Let's not overthink it. First king, what else about Saul? Taller, broad-shouldered, handsome. He was the king that the people wanted. King that the people wanted? Excellent. Yes. Yes, yes. Awesome. First anointed. What are you going to remember about Saul? Man, there's a lot here. We got a lot in our complex character in Saul. Anger issues. What else? Yeah, kind of the opposite of what God was probably looking for. Uh, a ton on the outside, and then a whole lot of nothing on the inside. Really struggle with heart stuff. Uh, what he thought was something that was um, oh, like more. Um, oh, that blank. Good. Um, it's more. Um, pretty much, he thought he was obeying God. But yep. He was that was a perfect answer, dude. You did great. We're all in this together. Dude, you're right. He, it always feels like he's almost obeying. He's like real close and you're just being disobedient. It's such, oh, it's such a bummer with this guy. What else? Sought the approval of man. Sought the approval of man, 100%. That's really good. What else? Yeah. Very jealous. Man, the end of his life, he's just an angry, jealous person, isn't he? Yeah, one or two more. What are you gonna remember about Saul? That's true. His son seemed to have more wisdom than him. It's really interesting. Our boy Jonathan kind of shows up out of nowhere. 
immediately disagreeing with his dad. Yeah, all right, here's what I got. We're gonna keep moving through this so we can get to small groups. I know you guys are pumped. Hold on. I got a couple more and then we'll do small groups. You guys are crazy, like Christmas Eve. Um, All right, my answers. I'm gonna remember most, humble beginnings. He was reluctant to accept the role as king. He hid behind the baggage when Samuel introduces him. He's scared of the spot. I, I, I always thought of him as egotistical, and I, don't, I no longer have that thought about him early on, especially. I think he was a little scared. Um, my guy needed control so bad. I'm going to remember that about him. Whenever he got instruction, but then like the temperature turned up and time was an issue, he took it into his own hands every single time. He never... Ever, he just never obeyed God when it mattered most. Such a bummer. He underestimated his leadership. Makes me sad. He always almost obeyed, almost in italics. Big time for emphasis. Yeah, almost. And then um, also by the end, he is actually a pretty tragic story. He ends jealous, angry, chasing David and dying in battle. It's honestly pretty sad. All right, Jonathan, this one's gonna go quick, but tell me about Jonathan real quick. Who's Jonathan. Yeah, Saul's son, warrior, soldier. Okay, what are you gonna remember about Jonathan? David's best friend. Guys, this is so interesting, okay? He is King Saul's son, but instinctively, I agree, he definitely resembles David more in heart. He's fearless, he's fierce, he's not scared of conflict if it's for the right reason. And he disagrees with Saul from the jump. He goes and assassinates uh, a leader of the Philistines without seeking out his father, literally starts a war. Uh, When David shows up, he aligns with David. He does secret things that his father knowing to spare David's life. So I think it's really important. He shows up really quick and he leaves pretty quick. But Saul's own son trusts David's heart and leadership more than his own father. I don't know. That's a pretty condemning piece of evidence for our guy Saul when his own son's like, I serve that guy, not that guy. And that's my dad. So pretty crazy. All right. Last one, David. What do you, what, first of all, who is David? What are the facts about David? Second king. What else? Eighth son. Yes. Good facts. Who's his dad? Jesse. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, shepherd, taking care of the sheep. He was part-time armor bearer for Saul, part-time shepherd. What are you gonna remember about David? What do you learn about David? Informed faith. Will you elaborate on that one? He, like the David Goliath story, it's not just like he mustered a bunch of blind hope, but he was trained as a shepherd, mm. taking down lions, bears, and the narrative of that story should be one of, I'm gonna kill this guy. I'm not gonna be afraid of this guy because I've done it before. Yeah. God is with me. Yeah, Sam said informed faith. In other words, like the David and Goliath story, you learn, oh, God had tested him, had been, he had been prepared for Goliath. As a kid, you're like, I can't believe this short little man, you know, like a Zacchaeus type, handles like a, a Yao Ming, like with a spear, you know, like, wow, that's so crazy. But really, all David saw was food. I mean, it was just like this big, lumbering, like non-agile human, and then me and my sling. This is easy. God had prepared me. And we learned like, oh, God had gotten David ready for this moment a long time ago, right? Wasn't like an upset. It was like, he's talking about God and Israel. All right. Okay. All right. My answers. Um, God, David is the ultimate reminder that God cares about the heart, right? Uh, When Cody shared, he broke down a lot of Hebrew for us, helped us understand when God looked into David's heart, he saw a heart looking into his own heart. 
God looked to David and saw a heart that was thirsty for the heart of God. And there was like this reciprocating relationship. We definitely learned that. The informed faith against Goliath, I had that down. Um, The juxtaposition, the juxtaposition between him and Saul, at every every turn, there's juxtaposition. Like uh, David is brave when Saul is scared. All of Israel is in fear and trembling with Goliath. David's not, he just doesn't even care. Um, David is focused on God when Saul is focused on the outcome. Uh, David reveres the name of the Lord when Saul seemingly uses the name of the Lord for his favor, for his advantage. Just differences everywhere. All right, last big room question. What are some of the themes that you're gonna remember from 1 Samuel? Yeah, opposes the proud. At the very beginning, we said, we're gonna see this one for sure, that he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That was it. Okay, thank you, Amanda. Half point to Amanda. She was also gonna say that. What else? Any other themes you're gonna take with you? You get a pass today. I'm gonna push you harder next time to do more buy-in, all right? Um, hey, I got two more. God longs for obedience after over-sacrifice. It's another way of saying that he cares about a pure heart. Like, he just cares about your heart. He's not looking for you to do things without your allegiance being to him. Um, also, he's drawn to a pure heart over physical stature or power. All right, let's go to group discussion, all right? Now you have to talk a little bit more. So I'm gonna ask you, to break up into groups of three or four. And if you weren't here for the series and need to read through 1 Samuel or reflect or just be quiet, that's totally okay. Participate on whatever level you're comfortable. But here's your questions. When you think about this series, and you're gonna have to push yourself, it's not gonna come naturally because you're not used to doing this in Sunday morning church. So you're gonna think, think about your life. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about man? And maybe what's like one or two takeaways? When you're thinking about 1 Samuel, it's one or two takeaways. These can be shallow or deep. It can be as deep as God really wants my heart or as shallow as like informed faith for David. Like, cool, I don't know if it's gonna translate to my life, but I love that story. I don't care what it is, but just share some of what you're learning. Let's go ahead and circle up. Go ahead and get in groups of three or four and try your best. Someone take command. Lead us through these questions. You can do it. You're gonna talk about what you've learned. That's what you're gonna do. I trust you guys. I believe in you guys. You can talk about the Bible. If you want to take the conversation a whole nother direction, you go for it. But keep it in 1 Samuel. About 10 minutes. Come back to me. Come on back to me. Come on back to me. Come on back. Come on back, kiddos. I don't know. I don't know. Lordy, help us. Help us, Lord. Jesus. Hey, Steph, though. All right. Um, We're going to transition into worship soon. Um, But I I would love to hear, what are you walking away with? only like genuine answers necessary, but if this series changed your perspective in any way on First Samuel, on God, on the Bible, I don't care. I would love to hear it. So like what's one or two takeaways? Share some takeaways. What are you leaving this series with? What changed in how you think? What, yeah. I think your initial statement about Saul kind of seeing his humanity was a big perspective shifter, whereas 
had I've never heard that, I probably just would have painted him as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where else I could apply that in the Bible and in Mark. Yeah, so he said his view of Saul and how human Saul is. Originally, he wanted to just put him very easily in the villain side, but we, the more we explored him, the more human he became, and his view of Saul changed. And then he said, I wonder how that would impact my view of other characters if I did a similar study, which I think is a fantastic place to end. That's a good concluding thought, because I, I think it's true. Yeah, I saw another hand over here. Was it you, Jalen? Come on. What was it? Um, same book in verse, how when David is like small and weak, he's like, oh my God, a small guy would like, oh, it's great. And how we're training in life and we apply in ways you may not prepare for. Mm. Lions and tigers and what you're like, but it works. God's connecting dots you're unaware of. You think you're being trained for one thing, it's for something different. It's so true. It's awesome. What else? What other takeaways from Samuel, if you got them? Um, I think we kind of like you have to, like, I feel like sometimes I have like a passive taste of like, God's going to do this, God's going to provide, I'm going to get blessed, and he's going to just fall on my lap. But like, most of the stuff David, like, David had to work for, and then he had like multiple of those blessings. Mm. Not having faith that's like passive, but like actively towards towards blessings. Yeah, so good. He was seen by the Lord. His path was, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Or was your hand raised? Nope. Yeah, I thought you raised it. No, I mean, oh, I feel like I... Oh, there you go. Like, <laughs> this, this worked out, didn't it? I feel like in a lot of ways, like, I identify more with, like, Saul. Me too. Same. Growing up, it was like, okay, how am I like David? Like, I got to find myself in him. You know, God's own heart. Like, that is me for sure. But the older you get, man, you read Saul and you're like, no, that's me. Good beginning. (laughs) Tough journey along the way. Oh, man. Church camp was so long ago. (laughs) Yeah. It really, yeah, honestly... The transition to adulthood and more responsibility, if you don't relate to Saul, the heavier his stuff gets, the more he feels his own helplessness, but refuses to like surrender to the Lord and just tries to figure it out. He just, his answer to everything is just put your head down and get it done. Like such like an American bootstrap kind of vibe. Like I'll take it, I, I got it, I got it. He makes a mess. I, I'm really going far on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what is that voice? I don't know what's happening. I'm done. What's up? Uh, when all of the characters stopped looking inside and kind of looked up, that's when the story changed. So mm. Eric was like, oh, I'm afraid, or I'm focused on this thing that I'm feeling or I'm experiencing. And the gaze shifted to, like, okay, what is God's plan? What is happening outside of that? Mm. Yeah, she said, gosh, that's really well said. I, don't, I can't rephrase that the way you just, that was good. But she was talking about how when characters were looking inside of themselves for answers, it just always seems to go bad. But whenever they shifted their perspective to the Lord, to Israel, to like outside of their own lives, they opened themselves up to like the will of God, his instruction. So it took a real transition from like self-obsessed to seeing outside of yourself to like access almost God's heart. Fair? Cool. Um, Yeah. Good point. Mm. 
It's true. Yeah, God as Father really is on display in a sneaky way. I didn't even connect how there's a lot of different parenting examples in Samuel. There's a lot of different moments to see good parenting, bad parenting, but the whole time God is like fathering both the community of Israel in one specific way, but also the individuals, and he's handling them like a good father would differently, like Saul and David. That's a really good point. Um, Well, look, y'all, thank you. Thank you for participating. Thanks for trying. Um, For your future selves, reading the Bible and then finding ways to talk about it really pays off in the long run. So that's what we are practicing today. So if you were like, um, that didn't, that wasn't like that juicy, you know what I'm saying? That wasn't that great. Um, this should be the worst version of it. Um, it gets better and better when we learn how to read the Bible and in real time, not in house church, just at any point, discussing it with friends, I think that's where we get to start seeing the richness of scripture, the act of reading the Bible, getting in a circle, and let's just talk through scripture. Um, Anyway, all right, well, let's end this thing in worship, right? Let's do it. Let's stand up. Let's sing to the Lord.